Hey, it's Miss Missouri USA 2006 Christy Cable, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim T. Aldo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now? Or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. Hey everybody, I've got a real treat for you today as I welcome a very good friend to the show. She was Miss Missouri USA 2006 and since giving up her crown, has gone on to have a successful career in broadcasting as both a meteorologist and a news anchor. Her stops along the way have included Springfield, Missouri, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and she is currently the queen of the Cleveland media scene as the (laughs) co-host of the number one morning show in the market, Fox 8 News in the Morning. Now, she and her husband, Hal, have two beautiful kids, and I can only imagine where her career will take her next. Christy Capel, you know I always love having a conversation with you. Thanks for coming on today. (laughs) Hey, Timmy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, hey, I want to give everybody who is listening a little background on Christy and I's relationship and how we met. So, we were both uh, local news anchors, and I believe, Kirsty, you did some weather back then in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. In Springfield, Missouri. And we were actually rivals. We weren't on the same station. So uh, I got to know Christy just being out in the field, and uh, we we became very good friends. And at the time, I believe you were just retiring as Miss Missouri USA, weren't you? Yes, that's right. Gosh, that was such a long time ago. (laughs) uh, While we're aging ourselves here, aren't we? Right. So I want you to tell me, at that time, so you were just getting out of pageants. You know, that was kind of the end. You went to compete at Miss USA, and then it's all over. What did you think pageants were going to do for you in the broadcasting world? You know, I'd always heard the experience from pageants were going to be helpful no matter what career you chose after that. Now, growing up, I did a few pageants here and there, and then I kind of got serious with doing the state pageant. So when I entered Miss Missouri, I thought, you know what? I had just gotten engaged. It was so funny. A few months before, and I said, you know, I told my husband, if I win this, I kind of have to go to Miss USA. And then if I win that, then I'll see you again in like three years. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. He's always been my biggest supporter. Number one fan. So he said, go do it. I'll wait for you. We'll get married, you know, whatever. So, uh, we had met in college. So, you know, we'd already known each other for several years. So I thought, okay, I'll do it. So I entered Miss Missouri and I won like first time. I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, you know what? I'm in that area of my life where I just graduated college and I had my first television job. And I, this is a perfect opportunity where if I could make it on the national stage, that would be great because getting into broadcasting and wanting to be on national TV someday that this was going to help. And so after I won Miss Missouri, went to Miss USA and of course didn't win. And I was devastated. I thought, gosh, I thought this was my ticket to what kind of doors were going to open up for me once I did get real deep into broadcasting. And so unfortunately, that didn't really work out. But honestly, you know, once the pageants are done, it's like, gosh, what do I do? And luckily, I was in that position where I had already kind of dipped my toes 
in my career. So I kind of had that to look forward to. But there was a moment where after Miss USA was over, I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, <laughs> uh, am I going to be in Springfield the rest of my life? And I thought I was going national and Miss USA, you know, having that title was going to help out. And it's just that moment where you kind of lost you know, and, and again, some some girls grow up in this is like their whole life. They've been in pageants forever. And so once that's over or you get married or you kind of age out of of doing the Miss Pageant, it's like, uh, you know, what do I do? So that's kind of where I was. But luckily, I kind of had that rebound of, all right, I'm already at a TV station. I guess I just kind of go with it, you know, and use what I've learned, you know, especially from interviews and being on stage and being in the public eye um i thought well okay yeah that'll help me with with what i'm supposed to do so that's where i kind of ended up well let's talk a little bit about that perception because honestly that's kind of the whole reason this podcast exists by the way is when you are in pageants there is this belief that if i go win whether it be the state title the national title whatever and no matter what system you're in that that is the ticket. Where does that perception come from for you? As as in thinking that that was my ticket to be on what? The Today Show? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not bitter. Well, I'm not bitter at all. Not at all. Not at all. You know, you should have taken <laughs> Matt Lauer's job. What were they thinking? How dare they? <laughs> all right. Exactly. <laughs> no, oh, I mean, geez. you know, I think every pageant girl, and I, I shouldn't say a blunt, you know, all of them, but I, I would say a good majority think that if I go win, in many ways, it is kind of that Willy Wonka golden right. ticket towards the career that they want to pursue and, yeah. uh, quite honestly, a little bit of fame. So where did that come from for you or where did you think that started? You know, I honestly, as I was saying, with, with hoping that the title was going to – I was going to be able to use it, it worked. You know, when you have a resume and you are a Miss Somebody or you have been in – not even if you have had a title, but the fact that maybe on your resume you've – put that you've been in pageants. I think that that uh, coming from um, uh, somebody who is in administration, I feel looks up to that. And I don't care what kind of career you're looking into. It shows the fact that you can talk in front of people. You learn communication, which in every business you will use, right? Or in, in an interview for those who employer has not met you yet and they read that you were a miss somebody or whatever or has been in pageants, you obviously have go, gone through the interview situation before on probably many levels. And so I think that that plays a role and really any job opportunity that comes your way, I think it speaks highly for yourself. So I think it can only be a positive thing. Now, pageants in years past at times have become taboo. Oh, she's a pageant girl. She has no brain. She's a pageant girl. Please give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. Because we are some of the most intelligent people, I think, that are in this country, you know? And so it's, it's gotten a bad stereotype at times, but I think uh, many girls who have gone through the system and over the years who become Miss USA, Miss Universe, or have been in pageants have put an end to that stereotype and have done very well uh, with showing that, hey, we are very creative, we are very intelligent, we can do just about any job, and we have something to show for it. Well, so. Well, let me ask you about your real life experience with that then. So when you were talking about administration, so you've you've been in three different television markets now, Springfield, Wilkesbury, and Cleveland. When you went into those interviews with those news directors, did the topic of Miss Missouri USA come up and what was kind of the reaction to that? 
It did. And in fact, because I had put it on my resume that I was a former Miss Missouri and and I hadn't been in a couple pageants, it came up with, you know, it was funny because one of the news directors that I was hired by in the past was very interested in pageants, had always liked pageant girls, had, had hired pageant girls in the past for this TV station. And so she, when she saw that, maybe that's what got me through the front door. You know, I don't know. But it did come up with, you know, how do you think pageants have helped you in your career? Well, I'm in broadcasting now. This is what I want to do. I think speaking on stage or being able to go through those interview opportunities has helped to get me where I am now. You know, when you're in a pageant, it's not like I've been an athlete my whole life and it's not a team sport, obviously. It's you, (laughs) right? It's you against everyone else. It can be a great bonding experience and meeting new girls and whatever, but it's really you and you alone. And so you've got to fight for, you know, what you want in that title. And I think that can come across with you in an interview because I'm sure there's a whole line out the front door that's wanting the same job as you. And so anyway, I I think that that helps with it and it has come up, but it's always come up in a positive way for managers. And then how about with coworkers or even people who are competing with you for jobs? I mean, you know, I've worked obviously in this business a long time as well. And I I, I know that perception, you know, it's like, oh, here comes news Barbie. She's going to get the job. Right. Right. Have you gone through that? I have. I have. And it's too funny because I have worked with uh, reporters who have felt like, that they deserve that next position once it has opened. And I fortunately have been able to get that opportunity. I don't think it's because I was a, you know, a pageant person, but I'm saying from probably a reporter's perspective, oh, she's a pageant girl and, and, you know, she's cute or whatever. So she got the job. How about I worked my tail off to get to where I am now? How about that? And so unfortunately there are those that outside noise, I guess, per se, that that are, you know, waiting for you to fall, <laughs> that have wanted your position. But because, I mean, I've heard it. I, I have definitely heard it from, from certain people that, oh, she's got a job because she's pageant girl or she was only hired. How about that? She was only hired because she's a pageant girl, especially <laughs> yep. in broadcasting, right? Because you got to somewhat look good. Well, I was talking to Ebony Williams and, and she wrote her book, Pretty Powerful. Oh, and and yeah, one of the her. one of the chapters in her book was called The Bimbo Effect. And, and that's kind of what she's <laughs> referring to with what, we, what we're talking about right now. So here's a good question for you is, you know, as somebody who basically kind of has to rise above the noise and also be the mo- more mature individual in the whole um, interaction, how do you deal with that bitterness and resentment that other people kind of throw at you or shade that they throw at you by making you feel that way? You know, it's tough because I always tell people when they're looking to get into a broadcasting position that you have got to have thick skin. You just do. Whether it's the outside noise from viewers coming in, whether it's the voices inside the newsroom that you're having to deal with on a daily basis, you have to shut all that out or it will eat you alive. Because there, I mean, we get emails on a daily basis, whether it's, I don't like your hair, I don't like your outfit, or somebody in the newsroom talking about they didn't think your story was the best that you just worked your, you know, your tail off for, put your blood, sweat and tears into. You know what I mean? And so I think that I learned that honestly, when I won Miss Missouri, the, what are they called? The boards that people comment on and all that stuff. I had no idea what that was until I won Miss Missouri. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people actually hate me? (laughs) Gotta be kidding. (laughs) 
I grew up, you know, I had 18 kids in my graduating class in high school. And, wow, that's um, massive. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and so in a wonderful family that I was raised in. So it was, there was always positivity around me. And then when I got out into the quote unquote real world and holding a title and in the spotlight, I came to find out that, oh my gosh, not everybody likes me. And so then when I got into broadcasting, then you really hear about it. And when that's your career and that's something that you do every day, yeah. it's tough. So you have to be able – and over the last several years, I think – I mean, it took me some time. And over the last several years, I've realized, you know what? There is – they're jealous. That's something that you have to – and you just have to focus on yourself. Like forget about all that because – you know, if you're not hearing anything from your managers or employers or whatever about something that you're doing wrong, then you're fine. It's all the other noise around you that's trying to bring you down and waiting for you to fall. And they wait for every little thing. They wait for you to fall. And I, my advice is to let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I watched too much Frozen. I have a four-year-old little girl. Oh, got it. Um, and so uh, I, I just, I've let it go. And I've been more focused on myself and and how to make myself better, right? We all do that. How do we make ourselves better? No matter if it's our, our daily walk, our uh, faith, your career. People have probably said that before, you know, and you've heard that. But focusing on yourself, I think, is key, especially in broadcasting. Well, and uh, yeah, I know you and I have been in this business a long time. When, you, when we say shake it off, it's obviously easier said than done. And everybody's like, yeah, I'm right. sure it's really easy to shake it off. But I don't know how you handle it. But I used to have some heated conversations with my windshield in my car on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Ask my mom and ask my husband because they get an earful. And, you know, if you have those people to bounce those things off of, or be able to just let it off your chest or get somebody else's reaction that are out that's outside the building and, and somebody you can trust. <laughs> um, that's also a good thing. Or your windshield. <laughs> so I, I want to uh, change gears here a little bit. I was talking to a few of uh, the current state title holders um, who are out there, you know, across the country. And one of the biggest questions that they've had pertaining to kind of this whole subject of life after the crown is, is what I've learned in pageants really going to help me in the real world and, and how. And so, you know, when you go on the air every day, you were just on this morning and you do your job, what parts of pageant life kind of come up in the back of your head as I've done this before and I can, I can use this to my advantage? Uh, probably speaking in public because I, again, I didn't do too many pageants growing up. And so when I started doing the major ones and trying to make it to Miss USA, which was always a dream of mine sitting as a little girl watching you know, the, the national pageant every year. Um, I figured that's really what I needed to work most on. You know, I could get up there and I could do the walking and I could do this and that behind the scenes with four judges and talk to them. But, but being in public and speaking on stage was my biggest fear. And I think that's one of the majority of, of a lot of people, you know, people don't want to get up in class and give a speech. They'd rather just take an F and that was (laughs) me. And look what I'm doing now. It's bizarre and crazy. But uh, that was the one thing that I worked on. And I know that we're practicing that for pageants and um, having to get up on stage and answer questions is now helped me with broadcasting. But now I volunteer, I make sure I volunteer for emceeing and, you know, all that was a long time ago, but it got me to where I am now and in comfortable with speaking on camera and being able to, you know, not only read a teleprompter, but kind of have a personality as well and ad lib and 
uh, ad lib and off the cuff kind of thing. And so, but I wasn't doing that at the very beginning, trust me. And so that always plays in the back of my mind was like, Hey, listen, you know, you started working on this long time ago when you were in pageants, being on stage, you know, trying to speak clearly, trying to have a conversation, you know, with cameras where there's millions of people out there, you know, <laughs> so that, that does play in my mind of, Hey, work on, you know, using your voice, you know, in the right way. So, well, and you know, there's one thing I really love about you that I don't think a lot of people know. And, and I don't think a lot of women or men in broadcasting really would be willing to do. And that is at the beginning of your career, you kind of got into the news and then it was thrown at you. Hey, we need somebody to do weather. Now you could oh, easily said, Hey, I don't do weather. I'm, I'm a news girl, but <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You actually just said, Hey, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. So talk about how that kind of, kind of parlayed how you moved uh, through your career from there. Yeah, I was so thirsty for what I wanted to do. And this kind of goes back to my grandparents were in television and I kind of got a little grasp of that when I was a kid. They had a Christian television show. So I was always, you know, on the show doing whatever I wanted and it was okay. And so I just always kind of put myself out there. I'm thinking, you know what, this is what I want to do in high school. I knew what I wanted to do. And so I was always told internships, internships. So I got my first internship. And on the first day of my internship, I was asked if I wanted a reporting job on the morning show. I'm like, are you kidding me? I had 16 hours of credits left to do it in my last semester of college. And they're like, yeah, it's for the morning show. You have to get up at 1 a.m. I'm like, you're kidding. But I did it. I did. I asked me if I remember anything about my last semester in college. I don't remember a thing. I don't remember classes, tests, nothing. But it got me through the door and then that turned into a job. And so I had reported on the morning show for probably a year or so. And the weekend weather anchor had quit and they said, you know, we need somebody to fill in. You're kind of like our only person until we can hire someone. I said, yeah, I don't know a thing about weather. Are you joking? They said, you'll be fine. <laughs> Just these are the maps. Stick with the norm, you know, and we'll try and make this a quick transition. Yep, never happened. I ended up doing weather for like three years. Then I went and got a meteorology degree because my first news director told me, you know what, you're really not going to make it in this business unless you do weather. And like, you know, female weather anchors, meteorologists, that's really the thing. And again, this was years, years, years yeah, ago. And yeah. I'm like, okay. So I, I picked up classes online while I was still working the overnight shift and finished at Mississippi State and <laughs> went on to continue to do weather in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And then when I moved to Cleveland, it, the job wasn't open for weather and they hired me for something else. It was traffic. And then it led to being the uh, news anchor on the top morning show in the country. So very good. So weren't you yeah. the uh, weren't you the uh, we'll call you the, the helicopter traffic girl? Was that pretty much <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, you were? That's pretty much it. Well, it's funny because that was like the only position they said, well, we had we used to have a chopper years ago. And we're going to bring that back for you. And so we'll all do all these promos and new traffic girl coming from out of town. And we're bringing back the helicopter to the station and what have you. And I said, OK, but I was. In, in Scranton, I was like, okay, you know, I've been here for a few years. I'm kind of ready to go. I'm ready to move up. That was my whole mentality is keep moving up, keep moving up. Don't get comfortable where you're at. So I did. And then I did traffic for my goodness, maybe a year or so. And when I moved to Cleveland, I had moved a couple weeks early just to kind of get comfortable. And my husband and I got moved into our apartment and they called me and said, so, um, 
you know, we have an entertainment show that we do here and the girl just left. I'm like, okay. They're like, we're wondering <laughs> if you can host that show with somebody who's been at the station for over 30 years. I go, sure. Why not? Yeah. How many somersaults and cartwheels did you do in your house that day? I was ecstatic. Now, again, I had never done entertainment television, nor had I done <laughs> traffic from out of town. I didn't know any roads in Cleveland. So that all transpired into being on the entertainment show, which was number one in the country all those years for several years that I did it. And then, um, then moved to, to news anchor. So that was really fun. And I miss a little bit of that, um, the entertainment aspect, but yeah, I say, Hey, keep that door open too, because don't get comfortable with one position, right? I mean, hone your skills at what you want to do. If you want to do sports news, entertainment, what have you, but always be open to something opens up because who knows what door could lead, you know, into the next opportunity. Like I never thought, entertainment would be my thing or even a news anchor, you know? So that's, that's my advice, I guess. (laughs) Well, take me, you know, I don't actually think I've ever asked you this, but when you wanted to get into television, what was the dream job at that time, you know, in college that you were thinking, if I could do anything, this would be the job that I'm after. Oh gosh. Today show. Good morning, America. Mm -hmm. You name it. Anything national, like all this, the word national was always in the back of my mind. And of course, you know, I saw that dream, whether it'll work out, I don't know. Um, I enjoy what I'm doing and where I'm at currently. So that was always my my go-to. And I remember when I was in Scranton, one of the, um, I think it was the news director, one of the managers had ties to the Today Show and said, hey, let's go to New York City and uh, shoot some promos with Matt Lauer and uh, Al Roker and uh, Meredith Vera at the time. And I'm like, Sweet. We took a limo from Scranton, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Oh my gosh. To New York City. And it was the, it was probably one of the highlights of my career. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm here, but I'm only here for two hours. But this is amazing. <laughs> it was, I did the same thing. And I, it was back when Matt and Katie and Al and Ann. Oh, the, really? Yeah. So that really shows my age, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was. It was one of the coolest experiences because at that time it was the number one show in America, period. I mean, there was nothing bigger. Right. Well, let's talk about that national level because, you know, you're in a big market right now, uh, a market that gets a lot of attention. You've had the World Series come through there. You've got the Cavaliers and LeBron and all the fun stuff that goes on. Is it something that you still want to explore when you, uh, you know, your contract is up there? Absolutely. It's always been something, you know, now that I have a family, so you, perspectives change and ideas change and, and that's just life, right? But I always, it's funny when I started out my career, it was like, I'm not having kids. So I make it to, you know, highest level <laughs> and how's like uh, my husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was always kind of like, are you kidding me? But then I realized and got smart and I was like, you know what? I can't put my life on hold with maybe something that I would have regretted later on trying to chase whatever, you know, and that's everybody's personal opinion or their personal life. So I'm not saying, you know, don't put certain things on hold just because you're trying to chase a dream. That was my own personal thing that I wanted to achieve. And so I thought, you know what, years passed, Hal and I had been married for over seven years. I'm like, you know what, I'm ready to have kids. If we don't have kids now, we probably never will. And I will regret it. I know I will. And so I'm glad we made that decision. Two children later um, that we're doing that. But I've, I've, I've gotten a little bit of taste since working in Cleveland on that national level too. The RNC was here. And we broadcasted from one of the 
booths, you know, in the auditorium. Um, and so that was fun to kind of see all the national shows roll in. And we would watch today's show from up in our box where we were, you know, had our binoculars and we could <laughs> see everybody. I'm like, they're so cool. You're stalking you know, them. And it, yes. And they were just there doing the same thing we were doing, you know, just at a different level. So, you know what? I've never, um, I've never forgotten what I want to achieve. So if a national level level rather ever popped up, I mean, I would, I would jump on it. You know, obviously Al and I would have to talk about it. We have to make sure it's okay. You know, with, with kids. And as I said, you know, things have changed since, since my first year in broadcasting in 2006. So yeah, let's talk about that. Cause I look, I went through the same thing that you went through and I know exactly what you're talking about. When you get into broadcasting, there is this very self serving attitude that we have yes. that I'm, I'm going to get to where I want to get to. Nothing's going to get in my way. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm not having kids because they're only going to slow me down. Right. But there is that moment of maturity that happens. When did it happen for you? It happened. Let's see. My daughter was born in 2013. So she's about four and a half now. So Mm -hmm. probably a couple years before that. Now I've been in Cleveland for almost eight. So once I kind of got settled here in every station I've been at, I haven't stayed longer than two or three years. (laughs) It's like, okay. That's that's pretty normal. Right. Exactly. It's very normal for this career. And I was, you know, ready to go. And then they gave me another contract and I'm like, okay. And then I got moved to morning news anchor on the number one station. And I'm thinking, wow. Okay. So we kind of have gotten comfortable here. We bought a house. Then I said, okay, it's time to have kids. And so then we had to, you know, our kids or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's something that you, as you go in life, kind of try and figure out. You, you had something really cool happen to you that I don't think many people who, you know, don't live in Cleveland know and that is your baby gender reveal. Can you kind of tell everybody about that morning and, and how it unfolded? Uh, so anyway, with my second one, Dr. Oz did the big reveal. We have a connection with Dr. Oz. We've um, used him in many satellite interviews. And um, he knows some people at our station. And we know some people that work for him. So it's been a great partnership. And my um, executive director uh, uh, had called in one of the ladies who's booked you know guests on our show for over 30 years. She's wonderful. She had called, I guess, their people and Dr. Oz goes, I'll do it. So I, I went and got the gender, but I, they, the doctor didn't show me. And so our entertainment reporter on our morning show came to the doctor's appointment with my husband and I and grabbed the envelope. So my entertainment reporter knew everybody at the, on the morning show knew before I knew the next morning. So they sent it to Dr. Oz overnight. And then the next morning, he did a satellite interview with us and they made this fun card. And so he opened it up live on the air. We were in a two box, you know, <laughs> it was so funny and it ended up being a boy. So we we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, what a cool experience for you and Hal though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have printed that off and I wanted to get it framed in my, my son's room. So yeah, it was very cool. Very special for sure. Well, for those of who are listening, um, since we're talking about broadcasting and media, which many, many, uh, pageant contestants want to go into, you know, the, the gorilla in the room, so to speak, is how much money am I going to make? That's what they all want to know. And yeah. I know that you have graduated through the small market to the medium-sized market. You're now in, you know, what's considered a big market by Nielsen standards. And I, certainly, I, I don't want you to sit here and reveal your your salaries by any means, but 
Can you tell girls kind of how it works in terms of what kind of money you make and, and you know how it graduates? Yeah, well, hey, listen, I, when I started out in Springfield, Missouri, I think I was making like $16,000. That's more I than like, I was making. No, I'm just kidding. Really? No. My first <laughs> like, market was fifteen five. Okay. I, maybe it was around there. I don't remember. All I thought was, I have a job. You know, out of college, you're a poor college student. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'll take $16,000 for the year um, <laughs> with ramen noodles on the side. Yes. So, Listen, not everybody is going to make that. I've seen the stories, trust me, of, you know, one person making it to to stardom and making, you know, all these six figures and millions of dollars. But majority of us actually have to work our way up. And so with that said, I mean, I've gone through almost three different contracts in one station. And obviously, there's a little bit more added. So obviously, depending on what market uh, you end up, obviously, is going to, you know, consider what you're going to make. But um, I mean, you can make great, you can really make great money and a great living. Now, all that money from years ago of, of, of big local anchors, you know, making 500,000. Yeah. Yes. Those don't yeah, exist anymore. That does not exist. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't. Well, let me just ask you this. Are you happy right now? I am happy. I am happy. I'm happy. We used to come here all the time because I had uh, my dad's parents, you know, lived here. And so it's kind of full circle. My dad grew up in Cleveland. And he's like, I can't believe you're working. I used to watch our meteorologist just retired. He was in his 80s, Dick Goddard. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's just kind of full circle for our family. Hal, my husband, it, loves it here. Poor guys carried my bags through city after city yes, after city. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yeah. Yes, he has, and he's a, a very good man for it. And um, so it's uh, it's been quite the roller coaster. It's been fun. Uh, there's always ups and downs in any career. Um, broadcasting, it's tough because it's it's different. You know, it's it's kind of like when you try out for acting positions. <laughs> you know, we love <laughs> you, we hate you. You're awful. You know, you just get told everything. And what did I say at the beginning of this podcast? You have to have thick skin and you have to keep going. You have to try and keep getting better. And if that's getting better with where you're going to be and where you're going to stay, then, you know, you're just kind of working on your own personal goal. Or if that national thing is still out there and you're trying to chase it, you know, TV is different. News is different. You see all the reality stars getting positions that, you thought you were going to get, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I went to school and I've worked my way up to this. And now reality, (laughs) reality TV stars are, are getting broadcasting positions and stuff that you would have loved. Yeah. I mean, you know, we know our, our good friend from Springfield, Aaron Berge was the highest rated bachelor of all time still is through 23 seasons. He experienced everything that I think most people look at a reality show and say, that's what I want to do. But yeah, Yeah. then reality sets in and it's like, not everybody has that experience, but I want to get back to your husband because um, I think it's a really important topic that many women need to understand is having somebody like Hal in your corner to mm-hmm. be a support system to say, you know what, whatever you need, I'm going to be there. There aren't a lot of men like that out there, especially in our field. And, right. You know, explain the importance of having a really good supportive guy and not just somebody who wants to enjoy your beauty and your fame. Yes. And you know what? As, some, as soon as somebody wants that lead, get out because going through life, if you don't have that person who is going to uh, lift you up, 
uh, you know, when you get knocked down or, you know, you leave work bummed about whatever, and then you come home or you call on the way home, 30 minutes on the way home for me and Hal gets an earful. But then I feel better. And then I realize, hey, you know what? Here's some better ways I could have acted. And he's giving me all these this great advice. Well, maybe they didn't mean it like that, but you took it the wrong way. You're, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't always have my side. He makes me see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and as I said earlier, moving from city to city, you know, broadcasting is tough because you're always moving and and always looking uh, to get further in your career. And that means picking up and moving and selling uh, homes or getting out of apartments and what have you. So uh, he's always been my number one fan for sure. And uh, my biggest supporter. And it's always been, you know, he was, he was a football player and he wanted to, you know, try and make it the NFL. He had a tryout for the Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately it didn't work out, but it was at that moment. He's like, you know what? We both can't have this career that we want. And so one of us has to give something up. And he was willing to do that because he saw the potential, thank God, that I had and that he thought of, you know, we basically saw the future of where we are today. You know, I feel like, you know, you're going to do really well in your career. I'm going to have your back. I'm going to, you know, I don't want our kids. If we ever have kids, I don't want them raised in a daycare. So I'm going to stay at home in the mornings, you know, while you're at work and whatever, and then just kind of do side jobs. And we just kind of work as a team. You know, marriage is teamwork. Not, not, no marriage is perfect. You know, they're all perfect on Instagram and social media, aren't they though? Please. (laughs) Oh, we're perfect. Please. It's not. And so again, it's, it's all about teamwork and, you know, trying to figure out the, the next step in both of your lives. And then when you have children, um, then, then that's a whole nother thing. And so you have to, like, I get up at one thirty in the morning <laughs> every day, five days a week. And he's there in the mornings. And then when I come home, I, I have to take a two hour nap and he'll stay at home just to make sure it's uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I'm kind of finishing my sleep, you know, I sleep five hours maybe. And then I get up and I'm on the air by 4am really who's watching them. But apparently a lot of people are Yeah, you'd um, be surprised. Yeah. So I, as you said, you got to have that, that person in your corner, you know, it's, 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 it'll keep you healthy. It'll keep your jobs and everything else in your life, happy and healthy. And, um, it's important. So don't ever forget that. Well, Liz, for those of you who are listening, number one, a man can make you or break you, to be honest with you. And I've seen a lot of them break some of you who are listening. And Christy, you know, if you could give them some questions that they should have a hard conversation with their current significant other about if it pertains to getting into broadcasting. I mean, what would you say to them is to ask and and kind of talk about? Well, listen, you're always in the spotlight, right? You got messages, emails, Instagram posts flying at you from who knows who, right? You're hot. You're this, you're that. I want to hook up with you and and just crazy random stuff that viewers are going to, you know, send in, uh, you're going to be out in the public at the grocery store and people are wanting a picture with you or wanting your autograph or what have you. Can you imagine those on a national level that are recognized anywhere they go? Yeah. At least we could pick another state, maybe yeah, no <laughs> and somebody won't be from Cleveland, right? And vacationing in the same spot. But you know, you, when you have that partner and Hal has never once complained about 
of your stopping us in public at a restaurant. And it's so funny because they'll be like, I'm so sorry. I know you're eating with your family, but can I just get a quick picture? And Hal will be the first to ask, would you like me to take it? So it's, it's something where, you know, it's, it's hard because he's, Hal is, my husband's very protective and very protective of our children. And you kind of have to be, Sure. but there's that, you know, he understands now he's been with me my since my career started in TV and he's seen it evolve and he's seen how viewers in public react. And, you know, with our station here, we have huge functions that our station goes to and it brings in thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, we have a parade that we've been in for years that brings over 125, 150,000 people to this. Wow. Yeah. And they all have access to you. So at times it can be tough and it's like, it's almost like how whacked as a security guard yeah. <laughs> slash trying to be nice. And slash, he would be a good one, by the way. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I may hire him. I keep pumping those weights, but um, um, that he has to understand that, you know, this is what I do for a living. You know, this, this comes with the territory and they have to understand that. And I have seen, in this field that the partner, whether it's the husband or the wife can't handle it. They're jealous. They're, you know, because of whoever or whatever messages or emails you're getting or people coming up to you or flirting with you. But you have to know that, you know, where home's at, you know what I mean? And you don't enter into that kind of situation, but you are nice and you are friendly and you move on. And so, you know, unfortunately they, the other half can't, they can't take the spotlight of, of what you're in. He's never seemed to be the insecure, jealous type from what I can tell. No, no. And it's so funny because he's been on our morning show several times and people love him <laughs> because he doesn't know what he's doing. He, he doesn't he know what to do. On you didn't TV. coach him is, that morning? No, I'm, no. <laughs> he's, he'll come in. He's like, so what am I doing? I'm like, I don't know. We're going on in five. Just whatever. <laughs> he's like, thanks, honey. Yes, but that's what people love about, especially this area, Northeast Ohio. They love those people who are themselves. You know what I mean? Like they love Hal because he's not Mr. TV. He just goes out there, he sees himself, and he's hilarious. And, you know, people just, just love that. We've done several cooking segments where he's been on for the baby reveals and his, like, one-liners that he would say every day. He just says it on TV. <laughs> he doesn't know any better. And in, in this area loves it. And so he's embraced that. But he also is like, you know what? Hold on. I didn't sign up for this. Our kids didn't sign up for this. So there is that protective aspect too very good very good well hey a couple more topics i want to talk about before we wrap up here um just in pertaining to broadcasting now i kind of want to talk a little bit about modern day medium because it's changed quite a bit since you and i both got into it in the early 2000s you know today with politics and the scrutiny and the fake news and the mainstream media and all the things that everybody looks at and says you know i don't want to turn on the tv anymore you know what is your advice for somebody who's thinking about getting into the the current climate that is broadcasting yeah, I mean it's tough because uh, there's a lot of a lot of times I hear in the public when I'm out it's yeah I can't I can't watch you guys sometimes because the news is so depressing or you know you believe this or believe that and now with all the fake news and social media social media is huge now back when we were you know just starting out you and I in Springfield it was like that was not 
social media was not even no. really there. I mean, did we, I think maybe we had Facebook. Did we even have Facebook? I, you know, I, if we did, <laughs> did I don't. We have I don't. I don't even think I got on Facebook until like '06. So yeah, I don't think yeah. I was part of that at that time. So it's it's so it's just so different. But you know what? It's like people want to know what's going on in the in the area. People want to know what's going on across the country, and and they tune in. It's tough. Like I'll leave some days. I'm like, wow, that was a depressing news day. Well, and Sheesh. I, you know, oh, look, what's interesting for anybody who's listening who wants to get into broadcasting as as an on air personality, Christy, you know this. You have zero control over what you're about to read because right. the producers and and the, you know the news directors and everybody are basically telling you you're going to read this. So if it's a completely dead, negative, depressing story morning, mm-hmm. you know you get the backlash for it because right. you're the one who you're, you're the, the talking mouth camera. that's saying it. And so exactly. that, that's a difficult you know for me that was very difficult because I am a very positive person. I like a lot of energy and I hate when it's like. You know, four people dead this morning, uh, three others killed in a car wreck, and you're like, wow, this is great. Can't wait to go to commercial. Right, right. And then our show's on for six hours in the morning, which is unheard of. And you say the same story five times. Every 30 minutes, it's the same top stories. Exactly. And so, I don't know, it can be difficult. And, you know, whether you believe whatever script it may be, if it comes to politics, our politics news block, you know, it's like, well... I don't think that's right. And you're not, you're not paid enough in local television to give your opinion. You know what I mean? It's not the Fox news round table at five o'clock. You know what I mean? So as you said, it's just kind of something that you have to read and that's what you're paid to do and you move on. But with our show in particular, we have those times, especially as we get into the later hours of our, of our show that we have guests or bands cooking segments, some fun things that kind of break up the negativity. But I mean, it's true. And especially with politics these days, I mean, it can be devastating. You know? <laughs> <laughs> daily, daily. I mean, daily, daily, there's something going on. And it's just like, wow, like my mouth, I got to pick my mouth up off the floor some days. It's crazy. So if you had to pick one thing that you absolutely love about what you do right now, what would it be? Well, it's not getting up at 1.30 in the morning. What? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's. You know, I could be sitting in the newsroom doing something else and not on TV. So I will never complain that I get to talk on TV for six hours because it's something that I've always wanted to do. But I love what I'm doing right now because this show offers all of it. I do news, entertainment. We do sports. You know, I get to read sports. And that that's so funny because in uh, I w- actually wanted to do sports in my career very, very early on. And then I realized, you know what, just because I played sports doesn't mean I know sports. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and X that one out and try something else. But this allows us, you know, as I said, cooking segments and do kind of an entertainment aspect. You get know, six hours of TV, you got to spice it up, right? So I, li- I like what I'm doing. I get a little taste of everything. You know, entertainment's got to probably be my favorite, but I've enjoyed news. I've enjoyed getting into the, the politics and that side of things, which is something I never thought I would be interested in. Well, I remember in Springfield, I thought I'm not talking politics. That's the last thing I'm going to mm-hmm. do on television. And look what I'm doing now. And then the interviews I get to do, my favorite, favorite. Isn't that what you asked me in the first place? And I just yeah. kept talking. <laughs> Um, my, <laughs> I, I'm in broadcasting for a living. I talk That's right. You just keep running. Yes. Um, my favorite is interviews. My favorite is, you know, we have three anchors that when it's interview time, which is usually four hours into the show, we have me, um, my, and my two co-anchors and we split up 
interviews throughout the week. And so I get really excited when it's my turn to interview, no matter if it's like a, a fashion blog segment that I had yesterday or, you know, I got to actually get out of the studio and um, interview Vice President Joe Biden or, you know, whether it's a, um, a health interview with some of our awesome, amazing local hospitals here, you know, the doctors that come through the studio. So that's got to be my favorite part. Okay. Well, last topic, because I know you got to get going. You got a family and a broadcasting career to get back to. So, <laughs> and I'm out of gas, so I got to get some gas. <laughs> Costco. You're, you're sitting on the side <laughs> of the highway right now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but whatever. Anything for you too. Yeah, yeah, oh, thanks. It's it's all about me. <laughs> uh, let's talk agents. Now, I know when we started out, yeah, you and I had the, the same agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've graduated through the markets. I know you've dealt in and out with agents. So I want you know really your opinion on agents and whether you need them. Do they help or do they kind of uh, hinder your career? Yeah. Well, listen, agents, they always say can help and they always have more um, connections than you do. And that is very true. Um, unfortunately, I've had some bad eggs uh, over over my career span of about, what, 13, 14 years in mm-hmm. TV now. and um, it has helped me in certain areas with opening that door, probably something I've probably never been able to get into. I actually interviewed at Fox in New York City, um, and that was because of an agent I had years ago. And so that was great, obviously. Unfortunately, that didn't turn out at the time. But when I resigned here, it was like, you know, general manager was fairly new to the general manager position. And he's like, listen, I don't really want to talk to any agents. I can just go <laughs> online and I can you know, send me your link, send me your resume tape. You know, everything's right. You can just send the link, email, you don't have to send the tape and the resume printed. You know, it's easy now, right? Just send the email. Mm-hmm. They can look at it. The general managers at different stations, boom. And a, a lot of general managers I've heard don't want to deal with with the agent. And so maybe when you get up to that national level too, that can help. But with also, I mean, that's like that's so far. But when you're just getting into the business, that can it, it can help. I mean, it can. But I think the way that certain stations and certain general managers they just don't like to deal with that that second person. So do you feel like when you make the so, national jump or if you make the national jump that you're going to need to get one? I would think so. And that it's hard for me because it's like you pay them a lot of money. You know, they 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 work you for what, you know, a few weeks, get you that job and then you're paying them the rest of your yeah. <laughs> the rest of your contract. Don't forget that. So but then you have to remember, OK, I'm here because of them. Um, but then as you continue to move up in your career, you're making your own connections. Don't forget about that. You know, you know somebody who knows a general manager at a different market that you would love to be in. Like, don't forget that you can work your career too. You don't have to be so dependent on an agent. And to be able to save that money uh, would be great too. (laughs) But, but they're not, it's not terrible. You know, if you have to go that direction, then you go that direction. But don't forget you are making your own, your own contacts along the way. So that may help. Save that money. You sound like Dave Ramsey. Save that money. <laughs> Let me tell you about your financial problems. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing this today. It's always fun to talk to you. And I know that uh, I know everybody listening has got a lot out of what you said. Oh, I hope so. Tim and I have been friends for a long time. And it, I got to judge Miss Louis, Louisiana pageant this past year because of Tim. <laughs> and, uh, and it's so great to see how all the girls just adore you. And you're like, you know, they're big teddy bear. You, 
you're such a great role model for them. And I think um, the pageants that you're over, uh, I've really noticed that, you know, you try and try and tell them that, you know, there is more to life after the crown or there's more focus on, you know, certain things throughout pageant weekend and you're, that positivity that maybe the girls don't see at home or maybe even get that from their own parents. And I think you're like their leader, their father. So and I, I noticed that. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. I think you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. I, you know, I'll, I'll take the Papa Seriously. Bear label. I, I hope it does help, you know, and I think that's the reason, again, that we're having this conversation today is that I do want to see all of you out there who are listening, you know, understand the realities of real life after pageants and that, you know, you get better. And, you know, as I said at the top of the podcast, it is about honestly just wanting to make you all better people. So, you know, Christy, you have done a great job of helping them today. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You want to do this again tomorrow? Yeah. Well, you know what? You just, we, you just want to be my co-host and I'll just open it up. Every day. Every day. <laughs> you just add that to your plate of all the broadcast, <laughs> six hours of broadcasting that you do a day. Right. <laughs> Well, hey, great to talk to you. Tell Hal we said hello, and uh, I definitely will chat with you soon. Thanks, Christy. I will. Bye, guys. Bye, Tim. That is today's episode. Thanks to Christy Capel for joining us, and thank you to you for listening to Life After the Crown. Now, if you like what you just heard, we hope that you'll share it with your friends. Just tell them to go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you have any questions you'd like answered on one of our future shows or even a guest that you'd love to hear me interview, just email me at tim at timtialdo.com or you can Instagram message me at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 19.26. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Have a great week, everybody. Music